out of trouble! The New World Order. Hey everyone, Monday, May 1st, 2023. So yesterday, as we dig into our uh, Sunday review of the mainstream media, yesterday on Face the Nation, Maggie Brennan interviewed California Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna again to talk about the fir- uh, talk about First Republic, uh, which was seized. But the interesting thing happened uh, when the conversation turned to the debt ceiling. Uh, it seemed it seemed like Maggie. Uh, sided with conservatives. So we're going to take a quick look at that. Um, and I'll be tearing into the Sunday New York Times as well, going over a, a bunch of crazy stories, uh, an editorial or an op-ed piece about Tucker Carlson, uh, a lot of lies, basically. So I'll show how the newspaper continually mischaracterizes the facts to mislead the public. There'll be no uh, CBS Sunday morning propaganda today because they did not feature um, a segment that was overtly, uh, was overt propaganda. So we're gonna skip that today, but I'm gonna uh, tear into the Sunday New York Times right now. So we're gonna start out with some uh, real news here um, from the New York Times. A large fire burns at Crimea fuel depot after suspected drone attack. Now this is attack uh, on Crimea, which is very troubling because as I mentioned before, the line in the sand is Crimea and if the West and Ukraine tried to take back Crimea, which has historically been part of Russia, I mean, it's arguable, but we can certainly have that debate. There's going to be a nuclear war. <laughs> so we don't really want to poke the bear uh, in the eye uh, in Crimea. So the large fire that burns at Crimea fuel depot uh, after suspected drone attack, a Russian installed local official blamed the blaze on enemy drones Ukraine, which typically maintains a, a policy of strategic ambiguity about strikes in Ukra- uh, Crimea, did not claim responsibility. So it's going to be it's going to be labeled sabotage. Now we don't know if it's drones, but all the suicide drones, the switchblade drones that have been used by Ukraine, are um, provided by the United States and NATO. So I'll just go over this really quickly because we have a lot to news uh, a lot of news in the Times to uncover. So a drone attack at a fuel depot, see even they, it's a suspected drone attack, but the New York Times labels it as a drone attack. It is indeed sabotage because it is attacking uh, fuel stores in Russian held territory. A drone attack on a fuel depot in the city of uh, Sevastopol. And then you wonder why, then there's a missile attack on um, you know civilian targets in Kiev or other parts of Ukraine after a drone attack or sabotage on a fuel depot in Crimea. So in the city of Sevastopol, which is in Crimea, Russia occupied Crimea, set off an enormous fire early Saturday, a Russian official said in the latest assault on the peninsula, key to Moscow's war effort. And then it goes on, it doesn't really uh, say much, uh, was caused by enemy drones. The main thing is that no one was hurt. Uh, Crimea was a a key staging ground when uh, President Vladimir Putin ordered the full-scale invasion of Ukraine more than a year ago. 
Uh, the Russian leader visited uh, Sevastopol last month to mark the ninth anniversary of, the, of Russia's annexation, a defiant gesture one day after international court issued a warrant for his arrest. Ukrainian officials say the country is the final stages of preparing a counteroffensive, which we've been hearing so much about. The Ukraine is losing um, because this is a Russian line in the sand. Uh, they're not going to give up. They wouldn't have started a military uh, operation against the West if um, they didn't feel like uh, their territorial security was under attack. So we're not going to spend too much time on that. But one thing I do want to spend time on is the story in the business section, there's a cover of, of the business section in the Times, a towering, terrifying demon horse isn't even the weirdest part. The Denver airport is a magnet for conspiracy th theories and a case study in the line between mass delusion and fun. Everybody's got their theories about um, the Denver airport, but they don't explain anything away. They don't explain the weird horse. I mean, you get the horse, Denver, the Broncos, right? Uh, so you don't have to go too much into that. Uh, but there, the reason that there's so much um, theory regarding the Denver airport is because the money of the amount of money that went into its construction, it's delayed uh, completion, it's over budget, because the Denver airport isn't really, <laughs> you know, isn't, it's a hub, you know, for domestic travel, don't get me wrong, but isn't the sort of airport that many would think you would sink uh, tens of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, perhaps, tens of billions of dollars uh, into, and then it's surrounded by all this weird uh, art uh, that is really, uh, I would say, dystopian art. So the equine art lives in many airports, Seattle and San Francisco, bronze horses shaped like driftwood, Central Illinois has a wired horse suspended from the ceiling. Uh, Tucson has a winged horse, and Barcelona has a burly horse. None of them have a horse like Blucifer. Rearing its 32 uh, feet tall in a medium uh, outside uh, Denver Airport, the cobalt-colored demon-eyed horse, vein-streaked steed, has terrified travelers and mobilized conspiracy theories since it arrived 15 years ago. And then they talk about the art, the giant murderous stallion makes sense of a mascot for an airport with notoriety to spare. It's been misconstrued as a COVID-19 virus and rumor the humanoid, you know, they go into humanoid reptilian race lives under the facility and that even Macaulay Culkin, the Denver airport is the scariest place I've ever been in my life uh, because he was a subject of, uh, of pedophiles. But we're not going to go into that. He's a victim of pedophiles, I should say. This is, the pro this is the reason they wrote the whole article. In recent American history, mass delusions about election fraud, which is it isn't mass delusions, but they state it as that. That's the mischaracterization they're so famous for. And baseless rumors about the COVID-19 pandemic, baseless rumors like uh, it was a manufactured virus that escaped from a lab, baseless <laughs> like there haven't been decades of warnings about manufacturing viruses uh you know gain of function research what have you and environmental disasters have burrowed into mainstream discourse and the top echelons of government authority technology continues to warp reality conspiracy theories about nefarious political and racist plots racist plots have been cited by u.s rioters and the u.s capital and perpetrators of mass shootings 
The Denver airport is far less terrifying, much of its... Uh, not so much for a society shaken assault on truth, society shaken assault, like any of those things, uh, we could go into debating the, the theories, conspiracy or otherwise, shaken assault on the truth, a more an ongoing experiment into whether sometimes institutional fabulism can just be fun. Now it goes into the whole thing about the conspiracy theories around the Denver airport, but my thing is um, it's bloated construction cost for what you see above ground um, doesn't make any sense. And, and they have yet to uh, cite where all this money went if there aren't indeed um, underground tunnels, areas, what have you. And I'm not saying it could be COG. I mean, it, it could be something that the government uh, put into. And then um, some professor says, if I was going to re- Relieve people of their conspiracy theories or misinformation. Would alien beliefs or Illuminati be at the top of the list? No, I probably would be more concerned about things that are more closely tied to political extremism or poor health decisions, like not taking the vaccine. Besides, as an airport case study shows, changing people's minds tends to be difficult. Oftentimes, our beliefs are a reflection of our underlying ideologies and dispositions. So you're not battling just a belief about aliens or Illuminati. You're battling an entire, entire worldview. Indeed, because people read books and you put all the pieces together about what exactly where money goes. It's that old adage, follow the money and you're going to figure it out. It's the same thing with 9-11 or anything else. Um, did you follow the money on 9-11? I don't think so. And they won't discuss it. They don't discuss Building 7 and they don't discuss the amount of... of <laughs> amount of feds on January 6th um, that were actually agent provocateurs that actually uh, goaded people into going into the Capitol, as we see with Ray Epps. At the, Den at the Denver airport, stickiness of the site's mythology means any news like the airport's top administration losing out on a major federal appointment this year or the temporary closing of 20,000 parking spaces can become fodder for online claims of secret, online claims of secret plots and ominous motivations. Flat Earth, conspiracy, views online, whatever. I'm going to just go to the end of the article here because I'm not going to bore you with a constant mischaracterizing people's concerns about things that actually happen um, or tens of billions of dollars, um, hundreds of billions of dollars that are funneled into the construction of an airport, which above ground doesn't seem many different than any other airports, um, but cost 10 times as much. So that's where the conspiracy starts. So I don't think this person here, uh, it's obviously a woman. Let's see. Yeah, Tiffany Sue. Oh, she is an Asian woman. So at the end of the article, um, I'm just going to go into here. Uh, many of you might have seen pictures of the mural, the two murals that were uh, dystopian in nature. I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff inside the terminal itself that are it's kind of spooky and just weird. Why would you put these sorts of things um, you know, gargoyles and stuff in an airport. You know, you're supposed to be welcoming people in into Colorado. Why would you have gargoyles or dystopian murals or what have you, or or scary looking horses um, that may or may not be apocalyptic in its nature? Um, that, and that was the concern was the over budget of the construction, but also its apocalyptic tone in its artwork. 
So recently they got rid of the pair of 28 foot murals by Liro Tanguma meant to depict humanity existing peacefully in environment and post-war harmony. But over the, what post-war harmony? What, World War II? So in any case, over the decades, a far more alarming interpretation developed the, that the artwork's images of a soldier in a gas mask wielding a rifle and a sword, ruined buildings and weeping mothers cradling lifeless children were a prophetic vision of the end of the world. Indeed, like most of this stuff. So people's question, um, the type of art used and its menacing uh, tone um, and that on the backdrop of a severely over budget airport, which above ground, you really can't see where all the money went. Although the, ex the expanse of the airport itself is very large, um, people have trouble putting uh, the almost $100 billion. Uh, where does all that money go? So that, that was the question behind that. So they mischaracterized it as anybody who's got a theory other than the official narrative somehow is some sort of kook, which is like always with any kind of other theory that actually the thing about a conspiracy theory, it actually explains what's going on. Unlike the official narratives that don't really explain what's going on, that just leave more questions than answers, that's the problem. So many of you have heard about the gunman that kills five people in Texas home. I'm not, you know, I don't condone violence in any way, especially this. So apparently the neighbor was told to stop shooting his guns in his backyard, which I guess he had the right to do, but he didn't like the fact that um, the neighbors then called the police when he refused to stop uh, shooting. And they had a, a reasonable request was, you know, our, our kids are sleeping and, um, we, you know, could you stop doing that for now? So I guess he was drunk and he came over and shot up the whole family. Um, you can't stop crazy. So the guy just assume, just uh, uh, could also have came over with a, a can of gasoline, poured it in the house and set the whole house on fire, killing everybody. That could have been done as well. So I don't blame the gun, but they highlight in the story the AR-15, the AR-15. But what they don't, do is talk about the assailant, which apparently is still at large, Mr. Oropeza, who authorities said had been drinking. How do we know he's been drinking? It's, it's hard to tell. But in any case, this murderer, this mass murderer, um, killed all these people, but he's gone. So we don't really know what happened. Uh, maybe he's gonna end up uh, with a bullet in his head by his own hand, purportedly, or whatever. But what they're not reporting in the New York Times is that um, there's some evidence and some reports saying that Mr. Uh, Aropeza is an illegal alien. So it shouldn't have been here in the first place. So I don't know. The other people are from Honduras. We don't know if they're uh, legally residing in the United States or not. Uh, I'm not making this an issue, but my issue is always, and this came during uh, Trump's first campaign, when um, an illegal immigrant who had been um, expelled from the country many times and kept returning, stabbed a young woman in, in broad daylight and killed her. Um, so my point with all this and, and people that are killed by drunk drivers who are illegal immigrants, the point is always, this never would have happened if they weren't in the country. And that's why you don't allow people into the country that shouldn't really be, that are here illegally is because any um, 
consequence of them being in the country, whatever actions they take, um, lawful or unlawful, um, that result in suffering from other people that are uh, living in the country uh, should never happen because these people shouldn't be here in the first place. I'm not saying that they don't, you know, they won't seek a better life and, and that America shouldn't uh, open its doors, uh, perhaps, but uh, that should be legal, not allowing people to come into the country illegally. Like I said, change the law. Whether you want to walk your dog without a leash and there's a leash law, change the law. Just don't <laughs> not walk your dog in a leash. So regulators, uh, regulators prepare, uh, this from Sunday, regulators prepare to seize and sell First Republic. JP Morgan and PNC are said to be interested in acquiring. Of course they are. The troubled lender ever is seized by the FDIC. So the FDIC wasn't constructed to seize banks. So now you have... Um, you have the state, the United States, um, seizing banks. So whatever, the troubled lender. So it goes to J.P. Morgan, which might have been the plot all along. I'm not going to go too far into that. There's more banking troubles is because it's corrupt. And the regulators, especially the San Francisco regulator, that Mo, uh, Ro Khanna refuses to condemn uh, she had oversight over Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic and there was some evidence to show that she was aware of some insolvency or solvency problems, and they didn't act, the San Francisco Fed. So whatever her name is, Darcy, Macy, something like that. So this is a story that broke uh, by the New York Times, um, but they don't connect it to the DNC, and this is the problem. So um, Governor Holtzroll, and this just broke, uh, severs ties with top political advisor in the uh, face of backlash, uh, broke down by the New York Times on Sunday. Did I miss the, I think I missed the article here. So he calls the shot for New York's governor. He lives in Colorado. So this Democratic strategist, Adam Sullivan, holds deep influence over Kathy Holtzroll's, uh, over Kathy Holtzroll, her administration and campaign team, even a skepticism mounts over his judgment and distance from New York. In other words, the governor of New York, who is responsible and who was brought into office supposedly by the electorate of New York, the state of New York, is taking orders from some guy that lives in Colorado, who is a Democratic strategist. So ad makers cut a 30-second spot highlighting Mrs. Uh, Holchel's plan to secure city streets and subways. She told uh, her campaign manager she was eager to see it on air and she previewed it. Bah, 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 bah. A year later, the decision has come to be seen by many in Mrs. Holchel's orbit as damaging miscalculation that helped her Republican challenger come dangerously close. He actually won to upsetting her and contributed to the Democrats losing the House majority. It is also a testament to the unseen influence of Mr. Sullivan, an obscure, obscure operative who has leveraged a close bond with Ms. Solchel to become perhaps the most power, powerful political force in New York who almost no, no one knows. Mr. Sullivan, who has no formal job title or social media presence, he operates a small consulting firm from his home in Colorado mining town delivering strategy directives on issues like public safety from afar. Far from the streets of New York City, where crime has unsettled some residents, obviously, and his generation, generous compensation estimated to be hundreds of thousands of dollars is almost hidden from campaign records. His fingerprints can be found all over New York, according to some or more than a dozen people who work closely with him. So this is just the way of a, a political machine works. 
party operatives, obscure or otherwise, um, are controlling your politics. Not, um, it's not being governed by people within the state of New York. Um, it's a national party, and, and we're in, in basically a one-party state with a managed opposition of rhinos pretending to play ball and sort of a dualistic uniparty, which isn't really dualistic at all. So moving on to more political news, uh, this is uh, as Biden runs again, black voters frustration bubbles. Um, in interviews, black voters, organizers, and elected officials pointed to what some say is unkind promises to the black community. No, Democrats not Democrats not keeping promises to the black community. Say it ain't so. Raising questions about enthusiasm of Democrats' most loyal voters, and this is what. Um, People like Candace Owens and um, Mr. Elder often say is that if you're in the black community, if you are a black person and you have some allegiance to voting Democrat, um, I understand what the Democratic Party is supposed to represent, but let's be perfectly clear. The Democratic Party started taking corporate funding, political funding from corporations in the 70s. At that very same time, middle-income wage growth stopped. So figure it out, okay? They've been co-opted for now for 50 years by corporations, but they still um, run on their mantra that we're, we're going to help the working man. They're gonna go, if they're helping corporations, they're not going to be helping the working man, the, the working man or the ordinary man, the common man, and corporations are ideological odds. And we can argue all day about uh, corporations being looked uh, in the law as individuals or not, or what a corporation really represents, which is a group of shareholders. Uh, there are some corporations like Twitter now that is, is, is held um, by one person, Elon Musk. Um, so... You know, the corporate structure varies, but usually it's a group of shareholders. The long most loyal Democratic constituency, you know, and I don't want to question people's intellect, black voters resurrected Mr. Biden's struggling presidential in campaign in South Carolina and sent him to the White House with his party in control of the Senate after two runoff victories in Georgia, all cheating. But if I see tens of thousands of ballots being manipulated, they cheat. I can't go along with that. They cheat. So in return, they hope the administration would go beyond past presidents and trying to improve their communities. And they listened closely to his promises to do so. Yet some black voters' biggest policy priorities, stronger federal protections against restrictive voting laws. Really? Really, please, please, some uh, somebody from the black community, please leave a comment and tell me that was your biggest political priority is restrictive voting laws. Was that really? Please tell me that was that was at the top because when I voted in 2016, I didn't really like Trump, but I would have voted for Bernie maybe. Was uh, the the Pacific partnership the the tpp right which would have gutted the rest of the manufacturing jobs for the united states which we saw with nafta was an economic especially for for middle income people was was an economic scourge 
You know, so I was a one-issue voter. I was against TPP. Well, I was also against Hillary Clinton for supporting no-fly zones over Syria, which would have got us into a direct shooting war with Russia. But the, that was my top political priority. Is not restrictive voting laws. Have you ever been turned away from voting? Please tell me you haven't. Because in most states, um, if they ask for anything, they'll ask for a phone bill. Just something to prove you are who you are and you reside who you are. Student loan debt relief. Yes, there were many people outside the black community uh, that have that are burdened uh, with de uh, student debt and who get jobs that will never come close to you know paying off their student debt. I had student debt. Criminal justice and police accountability measures, which is uh, hard to manage locally from the federal government. So what are you going to do, federalize the police? You think that that's going to make things better? <laughs> we could debate that. But don't tell me the biggest, you mean the biggest political uh, policy issue is restrictive voting laws. Please someone comment and tell me that that is indeed the case. After have failed or stalled some because, some because of Republican opposition, <laughs> it's not against voting laws. It's against... If you register people and they don't turn out to the poll, you could take their ballot and fill it out. The reason we never had mail-in balloting of what it's called is ballot harvesting is because it opens the door for fraud. We've had the mail, we've had, how long has this country had a mail service, right? How come we haven't had mail-in voting till, till COVID? Because it wasn't secure, it's not safe. So it's not restrictive voting law. So those disappointments highlighted um, in interviews with more than three dozen black voters, three dozen, wow, all in New York City? Organizers, organizers who are party operatives and elected officials, party operatives, in recent weeks leave the uh, open the question of how enthusiastic Democrats' most important group of voters will be in 2024. They won't be. Folks are tired, are just tired of being tired. They're just sick and tired of being tired and disappointed whenever our issues are never addressed. Really? Why is that surprising? Too, too funny. Anyway, you gotta move on. So this uh, guest essay by Jason Zengerl, Zengerly, I don't know, do they make these names up? Mr. Zengerly, a contributing writer to the New York Times Magazine is working on a book about Tucker Carlson. Good. Um, it just goes off uh, labeling Tucker Carlson as, as some evil, um, again, uh, and I, I will get into this in the comments later, about like the ADL makes him um, some sort of anti-Semitic, hate-mongering, uh, you know, violence-inducing. Uh, he just asks questions about things that everyone's, and the reason he's so popular is he asks questions about things that people should ask questions about. And the problem is in context, nobody answers those questions. So if you've got an answer and you can substantiate uh, your answer or your argument with facts, glad to hear it. Nobody can do that. Nobody knows anything about having an intellectual debate that is substantiated with some facts. It, you could win the debate or not win the debate. That's, that's up for question. But just to say, just to say that, um, yeah, we don't agree with you and you're racist. You know, that's just, that's not, he's raising 
fundamental. Most people never watch Tucker Carlson who who decry him. They never watch him. So watch him and answer some of the questions. You can't. So. So when they start out with this goofy thing in 2009 about Tucker Carlson on Dancing with the Stars, um, really, really dumb. And then it goes through his um, history. But we already saw this recently in, in another hit piece where uh, I think it was um, was in the Atlantic, I think Vanity Fair, uh, where they go through his history, they mock his history. And then his transition where he actually went on Alex Jones and... Um, and he's talked recently about his transition because he couldn't explain Building 7. And that opened up everything. Well, what what the problem was is he revisited his stance on the Iraq war um, after they, you know, they couldn't find any weapons of mass destruction, no WMD. So um, then his professional struggles mounted, his contrarianism curdled into resentment against the elites who took the country into Iraq, triggered a 2008 financial crisis, and refused to give Mr. Carlson a television role commiserate with his talents. That's not why they did that. He paired his staple rep ties and Rolex with his new populist streak and assumed the role of class trader. See, now he has rep ties instead of the bow tie. This meant in 2016 when most of his fellow conservative pundits still believed the GOP needed to broaden its tent and so dismissed Mr. Trump out of hand. Mr. Carlson was able to recognize the potential appeal for the businessman turned reality TV star turned populist politician. He was willing to say as much on the air, which meant that Tucker Carlson began getting more and choicier opportunities at Fox News to make the case that Trump Mr. Trump should be taken seriously then shortly after Mr. Trump's election in November as a reward of sort of his prescience. Mr. Murdoch gave Mr. Carlson his own evening show, Tucker Carlson Tonight. And by then, of course, Fox News was fully on board with the Trump train, which is what made Mr. Carlson's next move so interesting. He took a step off. He was never a Trump supporter. He was more in the vein of, first of all, in his <laughs> revelations, um, about the current uh, mood of the electorate, which in 2016 was severely uh, anti-establishment. You could go into the speeches by Steve Bat Bannon or the writings of Steve Bannon or the prescience of uh, the guy who started um, Breitbart, Mr. Breitbart himself, all of these things, and that alludes to one of my earlier comments about since the 70s, Middle-class people really haven't had a party that represented them. Um, it was the both parties rep representing um, corporate interests. And so since the Democrats were unrelenting in that regard, that um, middle, middle America, not just middle America um, geographically, but middle-income America, were looking through the Tea Party to reform the Republicans to represent middle-income America. Steve Bannon talked about this. It's, uh, the Tea Party was populist in, in the sense is that um, they were patriotic Americans, which means they still held what was written in the Constitution as um, veritas, and that the politicians themselves were in the pockets of the elites and um, they weren't living up to their oath to protect the Constitution and not political donor class. So Tucker Carlson tonight became the highest rating show in, in history of cable news. I shouldn't have to join over 4 million viewers on some evenings. You know, if you're getting 5 million views a night, that's like the best. 
you know, even uh, Joe Rogan, his episodes start, they start there, they usually climb. The new right, on Fox Nation's streaming show, he invited on air new right intellectuals like the blogger Curtis Yarvin and Michael Anton, uh, you know, for instance, and proclaiming that white supremacy was a hoax, a blog post on the neo-Nazi website, the Daily Stormer, yeah, that hasn't been infiltrated by the FBI and the SP, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, SPLC. Blog post on the neo-Nazi website, the Daily Stormer celebrated. Tucker Carlson is basically Daily Stormer, the show. Other than the language used, he is covering our talking points. What the fuck? And I, and I have some troll going off about how Tucker Carlson is controlled by Jews. <laughs> by the Jews. Uh, and so Daily Stormer, if you don't know what it is, it's a neo-Nazi. It is, white supremacy is a hoax and the fact is most of the white supremacists out there are only found online or are sock puppets. And places like, Patri groups like Patriot Front, which actually turn out in front of camera, are, are so, they're so out of place and it's so fake. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, people, like Tucker Carlson said, people know the truth, they can smell it. You can't fake people out. Even if somebody is a country bumpkin, they still, um, you know, they still have an idea what the truth is just by their general, you know, in their gut feeling. So I'm not gonna go on to this 2000 more because I already stated exactly, he was the top host and it wasn't because he was anti-Semitic. It was because he was posing, um, he was posing questions about what is real, you know, what is reality and what is a, a basically a sock puppet, a narrative that's backed up only by propaganda with no substantiated fact. I mean, like I said about the, the cheated election, which you could go into, it was like, okay, maybe the claims are unsubstantiated, but um, the discourse about it's unbelievable is that those claims aren't substantiated either. So it's like the argument over whether God exists. Well, we'll just have to revisit it another time when someone comes up with proof. But that's why they say baseless claims. Okay, it's baseless claims, but your claims that there wasn't election rigging are also baseless because you can't prove it. Let us look into the voting machines. And then it goes into great replacement theory, circulating false conspiracy theories about COVID and January 6th and attacking other Fox hosts on air only to have Fox exec then move the line uh, after Mr. Trump went kicking and screaming from the White House, which it didn't. They wanted to remove him physically and he left. <laughs> So it's just another, this is the problem with the left. They just go on to this fantasy and trying to, you know, bolster um, their narrative by claiming things that after he left the White House kicking and screaming, figuratively. Uh, and then they, they, Nikki Haley believes the collective racial guilt. She believes, uh, vote for me because I'm a woman, Tucker Carlson said. So this is a very lengthy article. It's like 60, 50 maybe 48 inches, 50-something inches. Or it might have been something to do with a potential lawsuit from Ray Epps, a January 6th protester from Arizona who is at the center of Mr. Carlson's false conspiracy theory. Why do you have to uh, characterize it as false if it's a conspiracy theory about the day? Or perhaps someone who's reporting on semaphore suggests a 92-year-old Mr. Murdoch had simply become erratic to his own decision-making. And it wasn't like, they still haven't explained that uh, uh, Epps went to the Capitol and he he was supposed to be a Trump fan, but he left uh, 
the ellipse where, where Trump was talking way before, and there's no even evidence that he was there for Trump's speech. So we don't know that he was there for Trump's speech. There's no video evidence, but there is evidence of him at the Capitol, you know, trying to get young people to fight with police. And then it talks about his firing, blah, blah, blah. We'll just read the uh, conclusion here. It was vintage Mr. Carlson, and it showed that he had already incorporated his firing into apocalyptic worldview. Um, he so successfully promulgated these few years, Fox News was now just part of the elite consensus Mr. Carlson seeks to overturn. And in this, who doesn't seek to overturn the elite consensus? Especially from the working people. And in this moment of unraveling when hostility toward and distrust of the institutions and elites is at an all-time high, which it has been since 2016, it's anti-establishment sentiment within the electorate, <laughs> except, except for maybe the black community who has this uh, sentiment, but they keep voting for the same people. <laughs> A 50-year 50, 50 politician in Joe Biden, how do they think they're going to get change? Um, it's not hard to imagine a good segment of the Americans following along with it, this logic. Well, of course not. In their minds, Fox will now join Wall Street and big tech uh, globalists and the deep state, the Republican establishment, and the woke as something that must be opposed. Indeed. And in a world which increasing numbers of Americans have already fracturing into their own realities, this is postmodern thought, is that your perceptive, your perceptive, the perception of your reality, the perception of reality, your perception of reality is your reality. That's a postmodern doctrine. That's not general doctrine. For most people, I know my perceived reality is not quite reality. It's only partway there. And then when it meets somebody else's perceived reality, we come to a consensus of what we see and that that becomes a shared reality, which is closer to the reality than your own perceived reality. So fracturing into their own realities, it's not. We have a, a per, we have a shared uh, perception of reality, which is the peak people with all the money and political power are the ones that are doing us dirty. And so we shouldn't look any further because we're not racist. It's not the blacks or the Jews who are doing us dirty. It's the people with all the money. Some of them might be Jewish or some of them might even be black. But it's the people with the money and all the political power that are doing us dirty. Um, by subverting the Constitution and subverting the sovereignty that not only your individual sovereignty, but the sovereignty of this nation that's supposed to provide a freedom for its citizens and residents. So Mr. Carlson will stand uh, for many of them as the one person who's independent and courageous and powerful enough to tell them the truth. And then it goes on to say, just as Mr. Murdoch and False failed to make Mr. Carlson a non-person, the likely won't be able to make Mr. Carlson one either. Mr. Trump, excuse me, just as Mr. Murdoch and Fox failed to make Mr. Trump a non-person, they'll likely won't be able to make Mr. Carlson one either. Indeed, they won't. Wait till uh, Tucker lands on his feet somewhere. It's not gonna be Newsmax. He's gonna do his own thing and he's gonna kill the establishment single-handedly. Because all people want is answers to the questions and it could provide an answer, substantiated or not, people are gonna go, go along with that because most people nowadays, um, they just want answers. So give me an answer and maybe I could substantiate it myself. And that's the great thing about the conspiracy or the grand conspiracy theory, which is it puts all the puzzle pieces into place. 
So if you're not believing it the, of, the, of the grand conspiracy, you look around and you go, why is all this shit happening? So there is some causality. What is the causality? If you want to talk about science. So let's go to Ro Khanna and the fact that Maggie Brennan uh, defends conservative approach to the debt ceiling. With another crisis, let me ask you about a looming one, what to do about the debt ceiling. Um, the Fed is predicting a mild recession is ahead of us. The president has overseen the highest inflation that we have seen in decades in this country. Whether he calls it or not, he's overseeing it. What? You have all these looming issues, and now you have the standoff over the debt Good ceiling. night, everybody. It is not a sustainable position for the White House to say they're not going to negotiate with Republicans, is it? Well, here's what's sustainable. The Republicans should do what I get under Donald Trump, and that's pay your bills. It's patriotic to pay your bills. Look, if you're a family, you have credit cards. It's like you're agreeing it's not a sustainable position. We should negotiate on deficit reduction. The last person to leave a surplus was Bill Clinton. I'll tell you how we lower the the debt. Let's repeal the Trump tax cuts. What? Let's repeal some of the Bush tax cuts for the very wealthy. Let's not have all these overseas wars. I mean, the Democrats have a plan, and let's raise taxes on the top wealthy. But before we get there, we pay our bills. If you're a family, you have a credit card debt. Yeah. Who says, let's not pay the bill? But Let's not have all these overseas wars. The president was saying, Kevin McCarthy passed something, or, or at least put out a plan, and I'll talk to you. Now he's passed something, and the president says he still will not engage with him. What? I understand the back and forth, but the political cost and the economic one is very real here, and it will stick to the president. Well, the president's saying he's not going to be hostage in having... I think Senator McConnell understands this. <laughs> And I think the president will sit down with Senator McConnell. He knows that we can't default. <laughs> that's not funny! You think that's the back channel that's going to figure this out? That, that's why I say that. Or Kevin McCarthy's got to come without 22% cuts. We will see. Outright treason. That it's about, like, optics. All right, so for me, I went long. I went long. <laughs> I went long today, as I often do on Mondays, uh, dealing with the New York Times and their constant mischaracterization and shit, and we de delved into the Denver airport conspiracy theory uh, and the fact that they're going after Tucker Carlson to try to undermine him even before he comes out again um, with his talk against the elite political class. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not to blame for any of the problems of uh, middle-class America. The shrinking middle class America with our shrinking freedoms to even address our, our financial and economic concerns, which should really be the concern, political concerns of the black community, is your uh, financial opportunity. You know, that's the not restrictive voting laws. I mean, come on. Show up here, tell me that you've been turned away from voting. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a ridiculous farce and and it's really, um, it's really disrespectful to politically engaged uh, blacks, African Americans. Um, that that's their main political concern is they don't have, uh, they don't have access to the polls. Just freaking ridiculous. All right, so for me, Rudy's revelation. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share this video, leave a comment down below, and if you have a fucking political argument. Make one in the comments down below. Just don't add homonym uh, all day long like all the trolls do. So leave a comment down below. Follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, get our minds. And I'll see you tomorrow. You can't handle the truth. This is fucking spit. This is fucking spit.
this is all a conspiracy, you know? This is all a conspiracy, you know? You know that is a conspiracy there. 